Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza, writer at the Leafs Nation. First and foremost, I think we want to address uh, our, our thoughts with Jake Muzzin. We're, we're hoping for the best for him, of course, not just from a, a hockey perspective, but just from a personal perspective as well. Uh, he's been taken to the hospital. Uh, kind of a bittersweet uh, day for the Leafs. You do get the win, but with, with Muzzin's injury, uh, obviously very unfortunate. Uh, Nick, we'll get to Muzzin a little bit later on. But first, I want to talk about a Leafs win here. Uh, 3 nothing win, pretty dominant performance coming off a, a tough shutout loss in Game 1. Uh, really just seemed like a great game offensively. The Leafs just had chance after chance. And a really great game defensively, uh, obviously with the shutout. And, and Anderson didn't have to work all that hard for it. Nick, was this just a perfect bounce back performance from the Leafs? What did you? What, what are your thoughts on Game Two? Yeah, I think they made the the appropriate adjustments from Game One. Now, um, when it comes to Game One, I thought that the Leafs were just kind of outworked, and Columbus pretty much played the perfect game. I thought they were excellent in that first game. Uh, defensively, they were all over the Leafs in the forecheck. They really clogged up the neutral zone, and they really kept them to the outside in the defensive zone. So, you know, I, I was probably higher on the way the Leafs played in that first game. Then in comparison to a lot of people, I just thought Columbus played so well defensively um, and then kind of got lucky with the goal. Um, I thought Anderson could have had that, but he also, he other than that goal, he played really good in that first game. And then tonight, you know, I didn't think Columbus was as good on the forecheck, but the Leafs also, you know, they moved the puck on the four, on the on the breakout um, east west they, between the defenders really well and kind of broke up that forecheck. Um, they stretched it out as I know you've alluded to quite a bit, um, and and really made Columbus think twice when they were forechecking, and and you saw a huge huge shot share difference between Columbus and Toronto tonight because of how well uh, they played in the defensive zone and how well they were transitioning the puck in the neutral zone. So I still think the Leafs can have a little bit more to give, especially in chance conversion and just generating um, and getting that puck to dangerous scoring areas. But but definitely tonight, like a big A for me. Right. I think, and, and first thing I want to say here is thank God for Austin Matthews. I thought that goal was just huge. Uh, I think the Leafs had to score first, especially the way they were playing. It just felt like they should be up one nothing, two nothing at least. And if Columbus would have scored the first goal, I think it could have been a different outcome. Uh, I know Leafs fans were starting to get frustrated. Uh, I thought it was really just a, a, a perfect opening forty minutes. Uh, to be up just one nothing was was almost unfortunate. I was expecting to be up two, maybe three nothing, just the way they were playing, uh, really limiting Columbus's chances. Uh, playing steady defense uh, wasn't like past Leafs teams we've seen where they're giving up a lot and, and it's just kind of all offense. But I did think they were more aggressive in game two. I did think, as I was saying, uh, as you were saying, sorry, they did stretch out Columbus. There were tons of stretch passes. It, it made them think twice, and I think Brian Burke alluded to it on the intermission, is when you have two four checkers coming in hard, if you're stretching them out, you can almost freeze them. They're kind of out of the play. Uh, they're way in your end when, when the puck's way down the other end. And I thought it worked. I thought the Leafs got m- way more dangerous chances. Obviously, uh, they can certainly convert more, and, and Corpus is playing very well. But that was, I thought that was the perfect bounce-back performance from, from a game two. Uh, who stood out for you, Nick? Yeah, so I guess we'll go to our three stars. I uh, It's kind of a good segue there. So my first star is obviously Austin Matthews. Oh, sorry. Actually, it's not. That's 
mine is John Tavares. Sorry, I John think Tavares? Uh, yeah, John Tavares. I think through both games, uh, he's been quite well. He's been playing very good. You know, he's not really a player that he, he just does a lot of little things right. You see him win a ton of battles in the neutral zone. Uh, a lot of loose pucks. Usually, he gets there first, and and he just did everything right. And, it, and it's it's so nice to see him score tonight um, on a, on a goal where Columbus was down one. They had to start taking chances. They took a huge risk in pinching both their defensemen and had five guys uh, kind of up in the play, and Tavares was wide open, and it was nice to see him finish that. So uh, that's my first star. I'm going to have to give you some credit for that pick there. I think Tavares, just with your expected goals, was just racking up chances. It felt like he was he was due. Uh, it wasn't like game one where it just seemed like they could get nothing going. Uh, the Leafs were pushing the pace well. He had tons of chances, and it, it felt like Columbus got a little bit overly aggressive there. Um, obviously, they were down a goal heading into the third. They're not the best offensive team. Uh, seemed like an unnecessary chance that they took because you can't be giving John Tavares all that time and space on a breakaway. It wasn't just a breakaway. It was a clear breakaway. Uh, he took advantage of just a huge insurance goal uh, for the Leafs. So I'll, I'll give you credit for that one, Nick. But I am unfortunately going to take your other pick there <laughs> kind of slipped your tongue a bit so i'm gonna take austin matthews the other goal scorer as i alluded to i think that first goal is just so important for the leafs like they needed that one just the way they were playing there's nothing more frustrating than playing a perfect 40 minutes and being you know tied or being down a goal uh so i just thought that goal was just huge for the leafs i also thought he was just great defensively tonight i really noticed him on the back check active stick uh, I think we've just really seen him grow in that regard. I think the the power play uh, still still some work to do there, but if they can get that going, Matthews is going to be dangerous because I think in game one he was the Leafs' most dangerous player, and in game two he followed up with a, with a nice goal. So great start to this play-in series for Matthews. Um, I'm taking your pick there, but uh, you're welcome to take. I, I think you got quite a few choices tonight. Yeah, especially when, when the Leafs play so well. I, I'm not mad at you for that. So I'll go Frederick Anderson. I think I was a little tough on him in the first game. Um, you know, when a game is that close and so low event and you're playing a team like Columbus that really doesn't have, you know, very many good shooters, when you see a goal like Cam Atkinson's goal uh, go in, and that's kind of the difference in the end of the night, um, I kind of called him out on that. But tonight he really bounced back, um, obviously with the shutout. Again, not very busy, but like he's not going to be very busy for the most part in this series. But the chances that Columbus do get might be a little bit more dangerous and unorthodox due to the fact that they'll probably come off of turnovers. So that's pretty much what the Leafs are going to need. They're going to need goaltending. Um, you know, Anderson not to let in those soft goals as well as to make some big saves off turnovers. So tonight, uh, definitely Anderson bounced back, and, and I'm rooting for him here. I really want him to win a series with the Leafs. Yeah, I think... Game one is obviously that, that one goal, uh, given the margin of error, was, was tough. Uh, Atkinson is a pretty good shooter. He kind of had some deception on it. Um, you, I'm sure he'd like to have that one back. I thought he played fine. Uh, it was an encouraging sign. Uh, he's a little bit more busy in game one. But, again, I can't knock you for this pick here because anytime someone gets a shutout, uh, you deserve one of the three stars. So another good pick from you, I think. I'm going to go with Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, Kapanen took kind of a phantom penalty at the end there that I, I, th I thought the officials were, were kind of struggling there at the end. But other than still that, still trying to figure that one out. I'm still trying to figure that out as well. But 
other than that, I thought he was great. Uh, first period, he draws two penalties, gets the, some momentum going for the Leafs. I thought he was good on the forecheck, playing heavy. Uh, I thought one of the drawn penalties was just a result of good hard work on the forecheck. Uh, I believe one was a high-sticking penalty uh, against them. So just, just good hard work. That third line's been excellent thus far. And uh, whether it's game one or game two, I, I think they've been one of the Leafs' positive signs so far. And just having Cap and Kerfoot on the, on the third line have been it's been pretty encouraging. I I just we talked coming into this that the, that the Leafs third line is going to be a, a major key, and uh, I I do think that's a major positive for the Leafs. So I'm picking someone on that third line, and I'm picking Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah, and I think also when we talk about stretching the defense out, having Kapanen on the ice, it just feels like the Leafs uh, are more comfortable and and more receptive to doing kind of those stretch little flips out into the neutral zone, knowing that Kapanen is most likely going to win the race. And if he doesn't win the race, then he's going to be right there to pressure the puck carrier. So, um, you know, whenever he's out there, you, you see a little bit more stretches. So it kind of it kind of keeps them Columbus thinking. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes as the series goes. So my, my third pick um, is going to be Zach Hyman. Today had a really good shot share, was part of the best line um, in that Marner uh, Matthews and Hyman line. Uh, I thought he was a big part of it. I thought in game one, he was a little bit, he wasn't really at his best. I felt, I felt like the, the Columbus, uh, defense were really battling him hard. Um, when Hyman was trying to get, uh, pucks during the four check, I thought tonight he was a lot better and, and just kind of showed that defensive effort on the penalty kill. He was great in his own end. And obviously on the four check, uh, he was great. So that's my third pick. Yeah, solid pick again. I thought Hyman was much better in Game 2 compared to Game 1. Uh, I think just overall the team was better in Game 2, I guess. But my third pick, I'm going, he had a bad penalty, but I'm going again with Nick Robertson, 18 years old. Uh, I, I thought he played with more confidence tonight. He was shooting the puck. That's what he does. I know some people are getting on him for, for shooting too much on that power play. Uh, let me tell you, as someone who's watched a lot of Nick Robertson this year, you want him shooting the puck. I would have him on his one-timer side. I've said that over and over again. Uh, I think Paul McFarland's kind of wasting that on the power play right now, but he's got a good wrist shot as well. Uh, his wrist shot is way more dangerous than an Alex Kerfoot one-timer. Uh, so I liked the... I mean, he's very tenacious. I think he does take a few too many penalties just because he's, he's so aggressive and so tenacious. But I'll take that. I love the motor on him. Uh, he had a very good chance in Game 1. I thought, other than Matthews, he had the real grade-A scoring chance. Just his ability to, to beat guys at the slot, his quickness. Uh, he's, he's bringing something to transition. He's been fine defensively. I mean, I think that was the main concern is, you know, can an 18-year-old hold his own defensively? And he's been perfectly fine. I don't think he's been on for a goal against. Uh, he's, he's playing a regular shift. They're not sheltering him much. So I just think he's been a major positive uh, in both games for the Leafs, uh, though that was a, a poor penalty. Nick, I think we could have picked... I think there were plenty of choices tonight for the three stars. Um, what did you notice between... I guess the, the main differences between Game 1 and Game 2? Because for me, uh, the ability to stretch out through the neutral zone was huge. I thought the Leafs did a little bit better in terms of getting to the high-danger areas. No, that, that's not all that easy against Columbus. But I thought they did better at that today, more playing their game rather than Columbus's boring style of, of hockey. Uh, and they just looked dominant for me. So what did you notice in terms of adjustments? In terms of adjustments, yeah, definitely the forecheck, like I said earlier. I think just being able to get that puck 
um, on when the puck gets dumped in. Columbus loves dumping the puck in and getting in on the forecheck. I thought Toronto was a lot quicker getting back to the puck, something that they really weren't doing in game one. I thought they were a little bit slow to get back, especially Muzzin and Hall. Um, and Columbus was all over them in game one. And, and really, by the time the Leafs were able to set up and, and get back there, Columbus was already on top of them. I thought they were a lot quicker getting back today. They had a little bit more time to move the puck from one side of the ice to the other side of the ice in terms of east-west, and that just kind of opened up the whole forecheck and allowed the Leafs to go up. Um, neutral zone, I thought they won a lot more battles, and Columbus had a, did a, had a lot harder of a time uh, kind of clogging up the neutral zone just because the Leafs had a lot more speed going through and a lot more synergy together. Um, I think a huge difference tonight was, and I, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I, I, I just felt like Columbus wasn't as good as they were in Game 1. Like, if I had to give... I thought Columbus was fantastic in Game 1. Like, that was... To me, that, that was almost like the best possible performance from them. And I guess a positive you can take from that is the Leafs were... were one stoppable save from going into overtime so or one stoppable shot sorry so tonight I think Columbus wasn't at their best and the Leafs were you know definitely strides better than they were in game one and the Leafs absolutely dominated them so I think going forward I think the Leafs still have more to give um and if they can this is kind of cliche but you know if they can get a goal early in the game like this, this game that Columbus is going to have a tough time scoring. We've already seen that in the first two games. They're going to have a tough time getting dangerous scoring chances, something we've seen in the first two games. So if Toronto can can uh, score on one of their chances early in the game, I think Columbus is going to have a really tough time in games 3, 4, and, and possibly 5. I agree with you there. I think playing with the lead is, is just so important against Columbus because if you're down, uh, they're a team that can really shut you out defensively. But if you're up and you make them press, we saw tonight, uh, Tavera's got a, a great A chance on the breakaway there just because over aggression. And it feels like Columbus has to be that aggressive because they have a real tough time generating, generating offense. So uh, I thought the, the hard work paid off in terms of generating power plays today. Um, I know there was a lot of complaining about, about the number of penalties in Game 1. I thought the refs were fine in Game 1. I thought just Columbus played a good, clean game. And I think John Tortorella, Tortorella would, would agree with you in terms of Columbus's play today. His, his quote post-game was, Toronto was really good, we sucked. So I think oh, was it? Uh, there's a little bit of both there. That's funny. I think, uh, I think Columbus didn't have their best game, but I do think that was an, a, a perfect game from the Leafs. Uh, I, I give them tons of credit for how they came out. They stayed patient, even though... Uh, they really couldn't catch a break on, on Corpusalo there. Uh, just kept, just kept pushing, kept pushing, kept looking like the more urgent team, the more desperate team, and and it really paid off. So um, I think, and and I'm pulling up a, a tweet here from at Nick D'Souza, a great Twitter account. <laughs> Overrated. Uh, the Leafs. This was mid game here. The Leafs stifling defense has limited Columbus to only four shots at five on five after 40 minutes. So you can't really ask for much more. Um, I think what really stood out to me is I just thought they were breaking the puck out much faster. In game one, you know, I, I don't mind the circle of back approach when there's nothing there, uh, but I felt like they maybe, maybe were relying on it too much in game one. And when they did it, they were a bit too slow in terms of, you know, going up the ice for the second time. I think that two man forward check was getting to them. Uh, with the poor ice conditions, it felt like 
you know, the Leafs are making these two foot passes and, and the ice with the puck bouncing all over the ice because it's, you know, the ice wasn't in great conditions. Uh, I thought it was a little bit too predictable. Uh, I thought once they got going, they were fine. But in this game, you know, the stretch pass just kept Columbus on their toes. It, I think they, they weren't able to just bunch up in the neutral zone. The Leafs could get some odd man rushes. Uh, we saw Matthews and Marner on a two-on-one. Uh, nothing came of it, but I think those chances were there today. It looked more like Leafs hockey than Blue Jackets hockey. And I think that's a great sign for things to come. Uh, anything else you noticed between Game 1 and Game 2, Nick? Yeah, just adding to what you said, I think ideally you want to trade chances with Columbus. And in Game 1, there was hardly any chances. And the ones that... And in the end, it's it's kind of a, a low percentage shot that goes in. So I think in Game 2, you saw that the Leafs were able to get to that, the center of the ice, like the center of the slot area a lot more. Um, and, you know, you just want to make this as high event as possible. Does that mean that the Leafs need to to pinch a lot more and be completely aggressive like how they like how Columbus was on Toronto's second goal no but I, I do like seeing um especially when the, the Leafs are in the offensive zone and they bring that third forward high up on the blue line that that really is only effective if one of the defensemen slides down and I thought tonight they did a much better job of you know getting it to that third forward on the blue line sliding one of the defenders down along the boards giving it to them and then creating offense that way I think far too many times we've seen them get three guys at the top and really either try to force a pass down low that gets picked off or they do slide the defenseman down low and, and a guy like Justin Hall throws the puck on net and nothing really happens. I'm singling out Hall there because uh, he, he did it far too many times in game one, but I think they just did a much better job of bringing that forward high and then actually creating offense from that rather than you know kind of just creating another problem lower down the ice behind the net. That's a good point. I think in game one, the defenseman really struggled. I thought the Muzzin Hall pair really struggled to move the puck. Uh, they were fighting it all night as if they were scared of the puck. Um, and then Riley Cece didn't have a very good night in transition. Uh, Cece's not an offensive star, to say the least. Um, so it felt like the Leafs were really struggling in the offensive zone, especially from their back end. Uh, Columbus almost forced them or dared them to put the puck back to the, to the blue line. And when that happened, it just felt like the Leafs were passing around the perimeter. It was, it was you know, sometimes, as you said, the, the third forward comes up to the top. Um, but rather than the defenseman sliding down and, and attacking, it just felt like they were just kind of passing back and forth on the perimeter and then getting a low danger chance off from the outside. So I thought it was a much better effort tonight offensively. Uh, part of that was just, I think, the neutral zone play. Uh, not that it was bad or, or horrible in game in game one, I thought they got into the zone okay, but um, it, when they did get in the zone, it felt like there was always three Blue Jackets back, whereas today it felt like they were attacking with more speed, they were attacking with, with numbers. Uh, it just felt like a much better game for the defensemen in terms of and just in terms of their puck movement, really. Um, so I think, uh, again, a great effort all around. It's tough to complain uh, all that much. It felt more like a Leafs game. Uh, I think, I guess, a couple other adjust adjustments I want to mention here. Uh, Marner went with Matthews, which, you know, I didn't think it made a, a major difference, although uh, I thought, you know, obviously everything worked tonight, so why not go back to it uh, in, in Game 3? And I think the other thing on the power play, after after a few poor efforts, uh, we saw Marner and Matthews switch sides. So I like that. Um, I just think 
Marner Matthews is the best catch-and-shoot player in the league. I know I like his one-timer as well, uh, but I just think Marner's so good on that side, on his non-one-timer side. Uh, we, we've mentioned this previously, but if the if the power play is not working as is, I'd like to see a change. I'd like to see them get the puck to Nylander more. Uh, as I've mentioned over and over, I'd like to see Robertson on his one-timer side in that second unit. Um, I think that's kind of the, the lone thing that, that didn't come together was the power play, but uh, they did get at least more chances today. Uh, everything's really coming up positive, and uh, I guess the last thing would be the penalty kill. Just a great effort uh, in, in this game. Even at the end there, it's about a minute 50 left. You're up two. Um, once Muzzin got hurt, there was such a long pause. Uh, the Columbus had a six on four with about a minute left, with uh, a minute of power play time left, rather. Um, so it, it was kind of dangerous, especially if they get a quick one. But the Leafs just didn't give up anything, uh, whether it was Marner or Kerfoot or, or Mikhaev or Engvall or Hyman. They just had so many weapons. Uh, they can play strong defense back there. Uh, obviously, Jake Muzzin was great with, with blocking shots. Um, so let's get into Muzzin here, Nick. Obviously, I, I, I think without a doubt, he's a, he's a major loss. Everyone knows that. Uh, we're hoping he's back uh, sooner rather than later, but uh, I think there's a lot of uncertainty at this point. Uh, everyone hopes just for his well-being that he's okay. But if Muzzin is out, who do you think comes in for him? Do you think it will be Marincin for penalty kill? Do you think it'll be Sandine uh, to provide a little bit more offense? What do you see the pairings looking like? Yeah, when it comes to what I think, I think I'm probably 50-50 right now. I think when I look at what I would want, it would certainly be Rasmus Sandine, and that's for a number of reasons. One being... Um, you can have Riley CC stay together. I think they've been okay in this series. Uh, two, you can have a Dermot Hall second pairing, which they've had a pretty good sample of playing together, not only with the Marlies, but also this year. And they've had second pairing minutes this year together. They've actually had first pairing minutes this year uh, due to just all the injuries they've had. But, uh, you know, in this series, they'd probably be like a, you know, a, a second pairing. And then when you have, if you have Sandine on the, in the lineup, you can put Sandine Barry you can have very similar deployment. Keefe has had uh, Dermot Barry have a ton of offensive zone starts. Um, he's been playing them a, a lot with the third line, but also with that post-PK line, which is usually um, you know three of the big four on the same line, as well as Dermot and Barry. So I think that if you have Sandine there, you can continue to have that same deployment level, uh, which I think has worked well against Columbus thus far. If you have Sandine there, uh, a big part is the breakout, and Sandine obviously helps a lot in the breakout. I think Columbus has already exposed Cody Cece a few times, and having Marinson, I think he's an okay puck um, puck mover, but under pressure, we've seen time and time again him make pretty noticeable turnovers that can cause some high-danger chances, and that's the last thing you want with this Columbus team. Uh, when it comes to Marinson defending his line, something he does very well, I also like Sandine's um, transition defending. And when it comes to the other side of the coin, where why I think it might be Marinson, it pretty much it only depends on the PK and, it sh and from him being in the lineup in that preseason game. So Sandine hasn't played an actual game in, you know since February, and for whatever reason, he wasn't in that preseason game. So I don't know really why that is the case. So there could be something else there. But... You know, when it, when it comes to Marinson playing, I think I, I don't mind him on the PK, but I just don't think you would 
have to worry about your PK lines when you're playing Columbus. I think that Columbus is one of is a, they are a bottom five team on the power play. So I would rather try to focus on five on five here. So I would personally go with Sandine, and I'm probably fifty fifty on what who I think is gonna be in there. Yeah, good points there all around. I think I expect it to be Marinson. Uh, as I said on Twitter a few minutes ago, I think A, as you said, he played in that exhibition game. Uh, he also came out for the warm up tonight. Um, whereas we haven't seen Sandine, and then B, I think the penalty kill—that's uh, Muzzin's primary. You know, it's a huge—he's just a, a primary player on that penalty kill. Uh, that's what Marinson brings to the table: long stick, bigger body. Um, so I do expect it to be Marinson. I wouldn't be surprised if they go Marinson Barry, just because kind of complement each other well. Um, but I guess what I would what I would do here, and uh, I mentioned this in, in my article after Game One is I would strongly consider going to 11 forward, 7 defensemen. Um, I think one adjustment today we saw is we did see the fourth line play more. Uh, in game one, they were all four minutes or less, right around the four-minute mark or less. Uh, in this game, uh, you had close to eight for Spezza. Uh, you had Engvall, who was killing penalties up to nine or just over nine. Um, so you did see them play more. But I wouldn't mind going to 11 forwards, uh, with seven defensemen, because the way I look at the Leafs roster is I would like to have Marinson for the penalty kill. I would. Uh, I can understand that and, and why Sheldon Keefe is, is thinking that way. But if, if the Leafs are down, I want to see Rasmus Sandin out there. I do not want to see Martin Marinson down a goal trying to generate offense. And, and it feels like Columbus really forces the puck back to the defensemen. Uh, that's what they're good at defensively. Uh, that's kind of their what they thrive at and why they're here in the first place. So I think creating offense from the back end is important. I think Sandine is, is very good under pressure in terms of eluding four checkers. So I would like to see an 11 forward 7D uh, formation. Uh, maybe bring Engvall back out, which would, I think would be the likely move. Uh, but I'd be okay with that. I think if they're playing, you know, Matthews, Tavares, big minutes anyways. Uh, you have Spezza who can take a shift at center if needed or you can just roll three centers for the most part. Um, that's probably what I would be looking to, but I do expect it to be Martin Marinson uh, for the reasons you mentioned. Yeah, I, I actually didn't think of that. I guess we've only had an hour to think about it with, with Muzzin getting injured, but um, I think that would work just because of the, the ice spread, like the ice time spread, sorry, uh, of the forwards. I, I thought Engvall was okay today. Um Definitely better than what Gauthier was. So if they do keep 12 forwards, I'd like to see Engvall there. But, you know, that's something to think about, having 11 forwards, 7D, especially in this particular situation. Yeah, I, I before, I don't think it'll happen, but I hope uh, Sheldon Keefe and the coaching staff at least consider it. I'm obviously a very big Rasmus Sandin fan. I'm a big believer in him. Um, so I, that, that's what I would do at least. But next Leafs game is... Uh, two days from now, so it'll be on it'll be on Thursday. Uh, they did announce it's an 8, p- 8 p.m. start. Uh, the Leafs will be on the road this time, Nick. It'll be a bit of an adjustment for them here. I know. Uh, don't think they'll be traveling too far, but we're going to have a game Thursday and, and a game Friday now. Game four is, is definitely happening now that the Leafs won. Um, so it's going to be an interesting time. I wanted to ask you quick before I get out of here, just on your overall thoughts, whether it be on the Leafs, whether it be on, on the other series this far, uh, how you find in having hockey back, how you find in these games without fans, 
How are you finding the other series? To be honest, I haven't watched much much hockey uh, this weekend. I've been up north, so I really only watched the Leafs game and some highlights here and there. One thing I will say is you, I think that just because of how important these games are and, and the fact that we haven't had hockey back, it's still super interesting to see you know, hockey without a crowd. Uh, and I think they've done a pretty good job with that. But I definitely do see a little bit of differences, obviously. I mean, there's huge differences between when it's playoff a playoff card and when there's not. Especially today, when uh, when Tavares had that breakaway, and you, you almost expect in your head that there's going to be like a loud kind of, the crowd kind of coming alive when they see that there's a huge breakaway, and it was just pitched just completely quiet. So I think that's the big thing that I noticed is just, you know, sometimes you expect it to get really loud, like for a scoring chance, and then it, you know, the 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 background noise stays the exact same. Something to get used to. Yeah, I think Justin Cuthbert mentioned that he's he's in the bubble, so he's in uh, he's at the games. He's right. saying that he's so used to looking at his, he'll be typing on his computer. He's he's used to the fans letting him know when to look up, <laughs> just based on their reaction. And now they almost have to retrain their brain because it's like, I got to be paying attention at all times here. I'm not going to get the heads up from the fans. So I think it has been interesting. Uh, it still feels like playoff hockey to me, just based on the intensity. Uh, the The games that are uh, that are not elimination, like the, the, just the for the seeding games, the top teams playing, those seem like exhibition games to me. I haven't really watched too many of those, but I have been watching a lot of the, like the, the series ones, the best of five. Uh, I think you know the Islanders and, and Hurricanes are up 2-0. That's that's you know they could be Florida and and the Rangers could be out before you know it. Like three games and that's it. And then uh, the Montreal series is interesting with Montreal going up 1-0. Price looks back to himself. So seems like we're gonna get a lot of good hockey here. Uh, we're gonna have uh, a Leafs game three on Thursday, a game four uh, on Friday. Uh, hopefully that's it because the Leafs have won and, and four, but. Uh, it definitely seems like we're going to get a lot of hockey here, Nick. Uh, and, and with that being said, I would like to thank everyone for listening today. We've got a big win, and we'll see everyone after next game. 